I started asking, well, what else is out there? What's going on? And then once you open that door, once that Pandora's box is open, you can't unsee that. Yeah, you can't. Especially when you go overseas. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of HBG Engage, the podcast. It is my pleasure that I have Dr. Olivia Lesler, CEO of Lifespan Medicine Australia, who specializes in functional and preventative medicine. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you very much um, for sitting down with me today. Yeah, have pleasure. a quick chat about your career, what the inspiration was, what you studied, and just how you came to be the person that you are today. Obviously, you've recently been featured on Forbes 50, under 50. No, the New York City Journal. Oh, the New York City Journal. And uh, how? what was the feeling of that? How did that go? Well, it was, um, you know, obviously, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that it was an opportunity for me to take stock about what I was doing as well. Because they ask you questions about your career mm-hmm. and what you've been doing. And you have to go through and... Pretty much like what we're going to be doing today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it also made me realize what is what it was in the last few years that got me to where I am now and mm-hmm. to make sure that I continue to do that. And that is travel, meet with amazing doctors, learn from them, yeah. go in there with a sense of curiosity, wonder. You know, there is no place for arrogance and complacency and complacency and um you know the last two years where i haven't actually been traveling that much it's been great because i've met amazing doctors here in australia yes that's a very good point borders have opened and now i'm actually going to head off again for a couple months to europe but um, i'm really excited to to meet up with more doctors here because there is some great medicine that's happening in australia and do you find that there is has this is not to do the poll but do you find that there is a lot of a lot more great medicine happened in Australia due to the fact that borders had closed for so long and people were having to kind of stay within the realms of the borders or do you feel like it's just always been going on but you're, you yourself is are only starting to realise that? Yeah, um, you know, we have we do have this thing where all the fun stuff is happening overseas, mm. right? They tend to, in, in America, for example, they tend to be a little bit more adventurous, let's yeah. just say. But, um, and in general, yes, in the UK and Australia, it does tend to be a little bit more mainstream Mm -hmm. which is amazing for the majority of patients majority of practitioners of course yeah but when you want to find new and exciting adventures Mm -hmm. um new and exciting possibilities you do have to color outside the lines a little bit or or find people who who are venturing outside the, the 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 you know conventions and um and so in general australia tends to be a bit mainstream but there are pockets yes of very exciting medicine there is um you know trailblazers here um mm. beautiful so just to start off let's take it all the way back where did your passion for all things medicine and healthcare um come from so my dad is an integrative vet 
right? And okay. um, he's he's actually very famous for it. He has his own TV show and all that kind of stuff. Oh, what is, what's the TV show? It's in Singapore. He's at a, a few, ah, actually. Okay. So I'm not quite sure which one he has right now. Amazing. But, you know, they follow him around. Yeah. And he's always been very innovative. You know, he, he likes his toys. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always traveling to different parts of Asia to find out what they're doing. So he was doing you know, stem cell stuff with Japan and South Korea. He was doing micro open heart surgery with surgeons in Japan in japan like you know open heart surgery on rabbits that's (laughs) crazy (laughs) and um but that's that sense of of adventure Mm -hmm. um asking the well what's next and what else i grew up with that yeah i could kind of consider that the way things were now my mum got sick with breast cancer when i was 15 and um i saw how my dad did everything and more Mm-hmm. So, you know, she had chemo, radio, she had mastectomy, all the rest of it. But it was, well, what else is out there? And he researched and researched and researched and he was doing all sorts. Now, my mom didn't make it, oh, but yeah. to to feel the commitment that he had. Yeah. That, that really imprinted itself on me. That's beautiful. So, you know, when you become a doctor and you see how sick people are, and how, not little, but how constrained their choices are. You know, it's bed rest, mm. um, medications. And then before you know it, in especially when I was doing, when I was in GP land, you know, you, you start putting patients on more and more medications. You know, some of the medications are for side effects from the first medications, yeah. but nobody really teases or, anyway. So... I started asking, well, what else is out there? What's going on? And then once you open that door, once that Pandora's box is open, you can't unsee that. Yeah, you can't. Especially when you go overseas. Because a lot of things that we take as, oh, that's quackery or, you know, that's, no, no, no. When you go overseas, like hypothermia therapy, for example, fever therapy. Yeah. In Germany and Japan, it's standard of care in the hospitals there. So, yeah, it's um, it's eye-opening when you travel. Amazing, and that's great that you got such um such a good experience having your father in your life so much. So, what did you end up then studying mm. in order to, I guess, be more adventurous and to to explore the world from a, a medical standpoint? What was the well, undergrad? Actually, what did you decide to do? I did you I, do business or something? No, I actually <laughs> traveled the world first. Okay. So after Mum died, I just I was very lost. Yeah. And I wound up backpacking. You know, <laughs> going I can, overseas. I can appreciate that. I did. I I backpacked Australia twice. You know, and I was very very lost. And I, <clears throat> I was actually on scholarship at the end of, um, in high school, but uh, mum died in year twelve, and I wasn't in, at school for three months, and I didn't get the grades to wind up going into medicine like I had planned. Yeah. So I I, I freefalled a little bit, and when I finally decided to go back to medicine uh, sorry to go back to uni mm-hmm. I was 26 years old wow mm-hmm. and I did a Bachelor of International Relations I majored in French and Diplomacy and um, I used the scores there to then get into med so I was a mature age student yeah you did you did a full you didn't go the <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. the normal path no um, and the idea was to do international relations and then to do medicine so that I could do third world medicine. Mm-hmm. The idea was always to travel yeah, or to be able to travel <coughs> with whatever I, it is that I decided to do. 
Then once you get into medicine, it's not actually that easy to start doing third world medicine, especially when you know you start realizing that the politics of it all mm. can be quite soul destroying. Yeah. Anyway, and then I f- almost fell into what I did do, mm. and it's been an amazing journey, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So it was actually 2019. I was working in GP practice, and I realized that I was getting a lot of um, I was getting a lot of success with patients, yeah. and I was talking to them about their diet, their mindset, their lifestyle, basic stuff. That, to be fair, the RACGP, the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, does tell us. Yeah. Talk to your patients about lifestyle and diet first, right? But they don't actually tell you what that really means. What to even ask, I mm. guess. But, you know, I was starting to explore that with patients and I was just I was just getting so much back. And I realized that that's what patients really wanted, mm. you know, as opposed to another script. Yeah. And I went to a research symposium in Sydney. Um, love research, love reading journals, you know. So I went to this research symposium and I was just, you know, exposed to these amazing doctors from the US who were talking about things that were definitely out of the guidelines. Mm. But it's not just what they were saying. It's how they were pulling information together. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to learn how to do better. Yeah. Um, And when I was there, I happened to be speaking to one of the keynote speakers. Um, We were talking about heat shock proteins I just happened to have done research on this before I went to the symposium. I didn't even know who's going to be talking about it. Yeah, you just it, it was just it was serendipity. Yeah, <laughs> and um, in his talk, he was asking, you know, what else uh, induces heat shock proteins, and I looked around. And I said, "Oh, cryotherapy," and he goes, "No, it's called heat shock proteins for a reason." I'm like, mm. "Oh." Saw him later on, and I said, "Oh, do do you remember me? This is the paper that." the cryotherapy comment was from and it was, you know, a high profile journal and he go looked at it and then we had a bit of a chat and he said, you know, you should come to the US and work with me. So I said, Okay. So oh. I, I quit work. Went Yeah. That's amazing. Three weeks, four weeks, I think it was, and I was on a plane to the US. And how was how was that experience um while you're in the US working alongside him? Well, it was very exciting, very interesting. It was also quite loose, you know, how amazing it was just to kind of, kind of slip in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would constantly go back to Australia to have to earn more money. Mm-hmm. So I was doing the, you know, like drive around after hours GP work. Yeah, yeah. Um, to then earn enough money to go back to the US. Uh-huh, um, okay. And then I would see patients when I was here just, he, because I'm not registered in the US, I was just considered a health coach. Okay. Right. That's a very good point. Mm. Yes. That's so. A very good point. So I was doing it like that, but we would, we would spend weeks, like going on research holidays, just sitting down and writing papers and discussing difficult patients. You mm. know, so I was living um, in New York, and he was in um, White Plains, mm-hmm. uh, Tarrytown, and you know, I'd, I'd commute if we needed to catch up. It was just. He was a bit eccentric, mm-hmm. so life was all over the place. But I'm kind of used to that anyway, so it was great. Yeah. Um, that was that was New York, and then from there he actually it, he actually introduced me to another doctor who worked in LA, because I happened to be there for for some other reason. So he said, "Look, you got to catch up with this guy. I wrote a book with him a few years ago. Great guy, you know. Blah blah blah." I'm like, "Okay." Uh, 
he wasn't in LA when I went there, but we wound up having a chat on the phone. Yeah. Three hours later, he said, you should come work for me in LA. So, <laughs> so I'm yes. sure. I mean, because my, my time with New York was coming to a close anyway. Yeah. He's like, this is, again, serendipity just falling right, right in front of you. I think it's amazing how your curiosity and your, your willingness to learn throughout your whole career has just been landing you in such amazing positions where you're you're getting to learn more and to explore more about medicine away from kind of the, the mainstream. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we should never forget, of course, that mainstream medicine is mainstream for a reason. Mm-hmm, exactly. But what else? But yeah, there's still a lot out there That's to right. learn. And that brings me into lifespan medicine. Mm. You're the CEO. So just give us a little bit of an insight as to what exactly is lifespan medicine, Australia. Um, what are some of the goals and what does your business actually focus on? Okay. So this guy in, U- in LA, his name is um, Dr. Chris Renner. He's a legend in the preventative medicine world. Mm-hmm. His company is Lifespan Medicine, Aus- uh, USA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, I said yes. Got off at the job. Um, I started working for them. And then in... March came back to Australia. March 2020 came mm-hmm. back to Australia to sort out my visa, and then that was COVID. So I never, <laughs> I never left Australia. No. <laughs> I mean, I still work for Lifespan USA. Yeah. Um, I look after the patients, the uh, American patients who wind up coming to Australia for, um, you know, for work. Mm-hmm. So Lifespan USA is a concierge company. We look after high net worth in individuals, um, you know, business people, yeah. celebrities, that kind of thing. And so, because I was stuck here, and I was basically doing Lifespan Medicine USA in Australia, I then said, look, can I just set it? Open up a practice here. And they said, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that was it. That was it. So, the idea was to sort of advance um, concierge medicine Mm -hmm. in Australia. And it's amazing how... One question. Did you ever think of even doing that pre-COVID, was that even a thought? Or was the situation that you were dealt like, this is actually a good idea. There's opportunity here for me to... Was a good idea. Was good. No, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's um, it's so different. Because what, what look, lifespan medicine essentially is personalized, mm-hmm. preventative, concierge medicine. So I look after you in context of, of you, you, right? And not only do I try to deal with what's going on with you right now, but I try and prevent issues from creeping up later future, on, yeah. um, you know, by way of looking at your DNA snips and, you know, biological age versus chronological at, age. You're looking at each patient from a holistic point of view yes. and assessing their whole lifestyle yes. and not one size fits all every time you see a patient kind of thing. Exactly, Yeah. right? But it's... Um, I don't have the support network that we have in LA. So there we've got, you know, PAs, physicians, assistants, and we have, you know, um, client care coordinators, and we have a pharmacy. Yeah, okay. You don't have that here. So, you know, I I was going gung-ho, and things were really looking up, but the work just started to overwhelm me. I can imagine. And so I closed my books, I still look after some really, really great concierge patients, um, and the, the oldest of which has been with me now since I got to Australia, so almost two, no, over two years now. Yeah. 
But, um, you know, in that time, I've actually met a lot of other businesses, a lot of um, practitioners. And so Lifespan Medicine now is my company within which I'm able to do my research, look after my small handful of concierge patients. But because I guess I'm not yet committed to any other clinic, mm-hmm. even I have been asked, but I ju- it's just right now I, I like the freedom you're of like, what I have. You like where you are now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm basically contracting to different places and oh, okay. it's giving me so much freedom. So in other words, I was just saying to you before we started the podcast, um, next Tuesday I leave for Europe for mm. two months. That's it. Yeah. I can, and how I can does that work go. in terms of your, your patients then? I'm assuming you may do some stuff just virtually then, just yeah. across Zoom. Yeah. 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 So my patients who need to see me again, I'll do Zoom. Otherwise, they can wait till I get back because I have no overheads. I don't have my own clinic, so I don't mm. have any overheads. You know, I've been able to save really well. And going for conferences means, you know, it's, they're all tax-deductible conferences. Amazing. And it's It's the freedom to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, so up till now, I was not working sort of five days in a clinic. I'd work two days a week in one clinic and then one day a fortnight in another and one day a month in another, you know. And so for me to say, hey, I'm going away for two months, Mm -hmm. for some places that was literally just, okay, I won't be coming in for those, you know, eight days. Yeah, exactly. Four days. And it's amazing how, again, it goes back to you studying at uni international studies international relations and the idea that you wanted to travel while being curious and learning and then how it's just done full circle back even post-covid that again you're able to have your business um in influencing and enhancing patients lives um on a daily basis but also able to go away and learn from other people within the within the healthcare industry on an international level so it it's all done obviously done very much a full circle and you're living the life that you'd actually envision for yourself yes and that's and that's why honestly i promise i i i practice gratitude yes every day because every day you I, got to yeah because i know that you know and um i kind of have now sort of decided to settle into a an, an area of expertise which i basically practiced but i hadn't realized how richly coalesced into something which is an actual entity and that mm. is psychoneuroimmunology. Um just yeah explain what that is. So psycho mm-hmm. neuro brain so psycho yep. mind neuro brain immunology your immune system and how the three are interlinked. interlinked. Yeah okay. You know everybody knows oh you know be careful of stress you can get sick. Yeah for sure. But why? Mind over matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like but why because the the actual biochemical cascades that happens is fascinating and it really is mind over matter Mm -hmm. but you just know how to have to know how to harness it in an appropriate way right and so you know i work with a um, professor of of immunology professor of allergy up in queensland and in his allergy clinic we actually do see right patients who have poor sleep they will have more anxiety the next day. Their anxiety gets worse. Their allergies get worse. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. And that's where I've started to settle into some sort of like a specialty type of thing. Yeah. So I'm actually going to be doing a, a master's next year at Sydney University to, because I'm, I'm really determined now to go down this road. Go a little bit deeper. Mm. That actually brings me on to my next point. Um, so we're obviously in a point in society where 
people are starting to be a little bit more empowered when it comes to taking care of their their own health, which is great. Um, why do you think that that mindset for people in today's day and age is so important? And when did you personally see that like that kind of transition where people weren't just willing to just go and just okay, I'm gonna just take this pan at all because I've got a sore head. Mm. Now they're kind of reevaluating themselves and like, why would I have a sore head? Am I stressed at work? Is this argument with my girlfriend or my partner and um, the reason behind th- this kind of like physical pain in my head? Mm. So what what do you think? When do you think that transition happened? Or when so, did you see it happen? So I think there's always obviously been a pocket of the population who've been interested in health and they you know, listen to podcasts and it's always sort of been like um, biohackers, you know, mm-hmm. Ben Greenfield, who've got a lot of um, clout in this in this area. But it's actually been the rise, uh, I think, the rise of podcasts and social media mm. from left of field or um, broad-minded practitioners, doctors, and scientists, mm-hmm. Peter Atia, Andrew Huberman, Rhonda Patrick, like these guys are, they have the credibility. They've got the credibility markers. They've got um, their MD behind their name or whatever it may be. And not only do they have a podcast, but they're great podcasters. Yeah, They're great communicators. And that's been the difference, I think. Because you, you, can't, you can't swing a cat now without someone... someone in on, in your comments, yeah, yeah. right. Calling uh, you out if you've said something wrong. That too, but yeah. you know, I, I, it's just amazing how many people know about these amazing uh, scientists and doctors, um, and they happen to also be those who are extremely curious mm-hmm. and who are asking whys and who are pushing against mainstream and guidelines especially if those things need to be agitated just that little bit to make sure that it's doing the best for all patients exactly mm. exactly and i I, th- I think it's that and i think it's been the last two years Amazing. that i've really seen a huge shift you know with this i think especially because so many people are in lockdown as well <laughs> yeah, exactly. so many people have their opinions and everything that was happening in the world i think people act- actively started using Dr. Google and figuring out immunology, figuring out is this going to affect me long term? So yeah, I think people had a lot more time over the past two years just to delve in a little bit deeper. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about um, the rise in in chronic disease and its kind of toll on the healthcare healthcare sector. What do you think is the best, best way to combat this? Because obviously there's is an aspect where there's kind of a duality when it comes to chronic disease that if you have a pain somewhere else, more than likely there's something else that's, that's wrong with you that's actually causing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you think we combat this? And I guess we can even delve into the one of your specialties, which is functional medicine mm-hmm. and how everyone's different and one aspect of your body can actually affect the other. Yeah, okay, so... Com- so I like to say that I love dealing with complex chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. And why why do you like to say that? Because they're usually patients who have been through the medical ringer mm-hmm. and nothing's really helped. No. Yeah. Right. They're taking loads of medications which are dampening the symptoms which in the short term is 
Fine. 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 But in the in the longer term, the patients themselves know that all that's happening is they're increasing the number of medications they're on, or the dose, mm. or both. And you can see the road you're on, and the end of the road is not where you want to be. So I deal with complex chronic conditions, um, partly because, and it's only in the last couple of years that I've come to understand this, there is there are emerging diseases, emerging diagnoses, which take time before it actually gets into the guidelines and into the um, mainstream medicine or where, whichever country mm. you're in. Yeah. So I recently had a patient um, who had been exposed to a, a, a large amount of pesticide in a very short period of time. And then after that, he became more and more and more and more unwell. Now the pesticides gave him a, a, you know, he wound up having like a pneumonia. Fine, went to hospital. Yeah. That was sorted out. The doctors are now saying to him, "That's you're okay," but he's not okay. Yeah. And there's, you know, um, and because of having spent some time overseas, I know that there's uh, there's a diagnosis called tilt, toxicant induced loss of tolerance, okay. which is a subset of another. Uh, range of uh, another category of diseases which is not it is making its way into Australian medical circles but not quite Quite. yet which is mast cell activation syndrome now um, Professor Pete he's a professor of medicine at Griffith University and he's all over mast cell Mm -hmm. because even though we may be slightly slower here in Australia to be embracing these new and emerging diseases they're, the, they're writing guidelines on this in the U.S. and in Europe. Okay. You can't afford to wait for this stuff to come to, to, to your shores. To be shores. a massive issue before you start working on it. Right, kind of exactly. Yeah. Because patients like this this particular patient and many of other patients like him, they're bounced around and eventually they're told it's it. Yeah. Right. And that's not okay. Mm. So, um yeah. So uh, with regards to complex chronic conditions, we know chronic conditions have been on the rise regardless. We're talking cardiovascular issues, diabetes, you know, boom, 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 boom. It just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I, nobody's talking about, you know, some really simple things, which I'm not saying is going to be the be all and end all of, of dealing with these diseases, but they make a serious dent. Difference, yeah. Diet, nutrition, movement. I mean... You know, uh, James Mukey, the 2020 Australian of the Year, has been going around talk, like giving talks about the fact that sugar causes can cause diabetes, and that the very fact we're not talking about it, the very fact that we don't seem to understand that sugar is not necessary for um, for nutrition, for day to day eating, all the rest of it, and that type two diabetes is reversible. It is, it? it is 100% reversible. Okay, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, and that's his message. So I actually um, went to a talk. He was giving a talk last Thursday at Kiribilli. And he was, he, he's, he, you know, like everyone else, he's a little bit frustrated because... <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, right, right. When you have a reversible disease causing such burden on not just the economy, but on families, you have to take that seriously. Yeah, and why do. is that... Like, how is it that the average person still doesn't know that type 2 diabetes is reversible? You know, because doctors aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. Doctors are still talking about it as being a progressive illness. 
Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Chronic diseases increasing, sure. Mm -hmm. Complex conditions increasing. That's the scary part as well. Because back in the day, you know, 50 years ago, most people had one chronic condition, maybe two. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this, that, that. And it's complex. And the problem with complex problems is that they require complex Complex solutions. Right? Now, complex doesn't mean complicated. But Mm. it is still not a pill that's going to fix all your problems. We need to get away from that mindset because it is killing us. Mm. Anyway, that's chronic conditions as I see it. I love that. Um, I really, really like the way, again, every time you talk or you answer a question, it really goes back to the foundation of where you come from, where it comes to your father's curiosity of always wanting to learn and then inadvertently you then becoming curious and always wanting to learn I guess the fact that you are constantly trying to to think outside the box or and also have created a career where you're constantly thinking outside the box Mm. and ensuring that you're giving each patient that you see um the best care possible I think I think that's I think that's amazing um so with all this there is obviously a foundation of health and that we all pretty much adhere to that includes i guess sleep nutrition body and mindset but how how do all of these together compound together to actually ensure that we we live a healthier life i guess i think that if you and it actually goes back to a little bit of philosophy right if mm-hmm. you believe that as an organ organism as an animal that you are generally speaking um uh programmed for survival mm-hmm. i didn't say wellness i didn't say optimization i didn't say you know just living just living yeah. just just surviving for survival there are a lot of things that need to happen for survival okay and that includes a beautiful dance between oxidation and antioxidant o- oxidation mm-hmm. right and that is a normal process of your body which is why People assume that because I'm a functional medicine doctor that I'm, you know, massively into supplements and stuff like that. They've got their place just like pharmaceuticals have their place. Mm. But if you are, you know, jumping the therapeutic order, I'll get to that. But if you're jumping the therapeutic order to taking supplements before looking at the foundations of health, then you're doing yourself a disservice and you're certainly not going to be learning what, you know, learning what you're your your body wants to do and that is to have some basic foundations maslow's hierarchy of needs type stuff right security you know just being able to survive and then once you have survival stuff in place by all means have your sense of purpose and your love and your affection and your community and all the Mm -hmm. rest but get that right first all the things that you were talking about the therapeutic order is something i subscribe to and essentially there are seven levels to it The basic level is about knowing, understanding the determinants of health for you. For you, yeah. Right? Um, And it's not just putting in all the good stuff, making sure that you get quality sleep, quantity too, Mm -hmm. making sure that you've got good nutrition, blah, 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 blah. It's also removing that which are obstacles to health. That's this is basic stuff, right? So don't smoke, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, we also have to understand that we are, we are, evolutionary beings in a very strange 21st century world. Mm -hmm. But anyway, 
from there, we then move on to, okay, we need to put in place that which is going to allow our bodies to heal like it wants to. So, um, okay, so for example, if you have high homocysteine, okay, um, we know from a 2021 paper that, and we've talked about homocysteine in context of inflammation and homocysteine in context of um, higher blood pressure, mm-hmm. but we, it's the evidence has always been a bit, mm, you know, it's there and we will talk about it, but... Uh, 2021 we're talking oh, okay so homocysteine actually affects like some of the receptors in the endothelium so the inside lining of your blood vessels and that's okay. why it may cause knock-on effects for other issues, other issues in the body. <clears throat> now why what are some of the basic things that you can reduce homocysteine if you get your homocysteine checked today and your homocysteine is over i think it's like 12 or something as far as standard reference ranges go mm-hmm. Sullivan Nicolades will actually print something there which actually says that homocysteine can be brought down with vitamin B6, B9, and B12. Okay. Because it can. As far as the pathways go, homocysteine is uh, essentially methionine breaks down the homocysteine and then it has to be recycled, right? It can be pushed down one pathway to glutathione via vitamin B6 and it needs the folate cycle to be running beautifully which is b9 and b12 so that's just part of that but you know so you have to give your body the building blocks it needs to heal itself for sure okay then if there's any particular organ that's stressed damaged or being damaged then we can target that that's the third hierarchy here okay so you've implemented all the basic stuff let's focus on that so a lot of patients these days have got fatty liver Mm -hmm. right we know that in a good percentage of patients, fatty liver is a function of inflammation and a function of fructose overload. You take away right, fructose in their diets, high fructose corn syrup, processed, um, processed foods, high sugar foods, and you give them choline and it actually clears their fatty liver. Yeah. What type of, uh, where would you find choline? Choline is found in eggs. Okay. So the so for you, you'd probably be needing about 550 milligrams of choline a day. Well, that's the RDA mm-hmm. or RDI. Um, and an egg has about 145, 150 milligrams. So about, f- about four eggs. Right. Four or eggs. liver. But nobody wants to talk <laughs> about organ meats. So yeah. I won't really get into it because everyone's <laughs> like, everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I do like liver. Oh, so do you? Yeah, oh, I do. There you go. Awesome, right? Yeah. So choline can be very important in context. Mm-hmm. So choline helps to... to dr- to, to clear out the liver, decrease inflammation, blah, blah, blah. Um, then we've got uh, one, two, three, and then four is where, okay, we need to actually make sure that the structural integrity of the animal is sound. You know, if you're breathing mechanically, your breathing mechanics are wrong, you're actually going to deoxygenate your brain constantly, chronically. You deoxygenate your body chronically. I mean, the rise of breath work in the last two years. That's true. Right? Yeah. Should, because there's a reason behind it. Right? We actually know that um, patients who mouth breathe as opposed to nose, nose breathe, especially overnight, more likely to wake up with headaches and have um, issues with their uh, glucose control. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two of the many, many issues when it comes to just oxygenation. Right? So that's you know, structural integrity. Then we can actually go in there with looking at natural substances to help 
I am a fan of whole herbs mm. as opposed to supplements. But anyway, much of the muchness. Then it's using pharmaceuticals, right? And they can be so important because yeah. sometimes patients can't focus on anything else until, until their pain. Until goes away slightly. Absolutely, yeah. you know? And then we get the high invasive. intensity. Yeah, the yeah, invasive the surgery. steps. And the surgeries and mm -hmm. this and that. Which, of course, is inevitable for some people. Like, I'm not talking about, you know, meditating if your arm is falling off, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but if you s skip steps, then you accidentally in inadvertently yoke patients to medications for the rest of their life when yeah, they could have happen. been could have been avoided yeah yeah i think that's so important that um again the therapeutic order and that people a lot more because I've, I've never really heard about it about the therapeutic order um until you mentioned it at your presentation a couple of weeks ago and um, obviously i was aware that looking at the body from a holistic point of view is very important and you have to really peel back the layers to make sure that whatever whatever this pain is in your body there's not some sort of underlying issue before you then push but in terms of the therapeutic order and um, that was something i'm not aware of and i think it's important that people are aware of it because mm. then sorry go ahead oh no i was gonna say like you know you can make it your own, of course, mm -hmm. right? Every practitioner should. I mean, the ther I think the original therapeutic order is actually a naturopathy thing. Okay. And I'm not a naturopath, yeah. right? But the philosophy underlying it makes sense to me, you mm -hmm. know? And of course, it's not the I'm going to withhold medications from you until you get your sleep right. No, no yeah, it's not at that all. That just don't work. This is, this, is, this, is not a, this is more about how much effort we put into certain things how much emphasis we put into this when we're talking to our patients mm -hmm. you know that's all and we're almost finished so i just wanted to touch what are some of the biggest challenges that i guess you face right now um and i guess the whole healthcare ecosystem you look like there's a few <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are your top two okay um I think that, of course, a certain amount of healthy skepticism is very important. Mm -hmm. But there is an issue with tall poppy syndrome in Australia. There is an issue with curiosity. There is an issue with bigging up your neighbors who are doing new and exciting things. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be a lot more um, supportive here to because if if nobody agitates the cage... And the status quo. The status quo. Mm -hmm. The door never springs open, right? Um, and, you know, of course, we have to be safe and we have to be prudent. Mm -hmm. Like this, you know, it's, it's easy for people to, to start going for the... the, the the, the jugular on that kind of stuff. <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of thing, right? We're talking about the fact that there is some evidence for X, Y, Z. Look at these journal articles from wherever. Let's give it a go, especially with patient consent, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you can't keep smashing someone back for that because nothing will change. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I think us needing to pull together and be a little bit more supportive is 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 one one aspect that needs to be encouraged here um 
The other, I think, is patient empowerment. I, ver- I see very little of that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think it's a, a function of the fact that many patients for many decades have become reliant on the pill and mm-hmm. that prescription and loses sight of the fact that there's so much that it can do for themselves. Even sorting out sleep hygiene to yeah. sleep better. That's something you can do for yourself, you know? And but and the the evidence for sleep with regards to your immune system is, is overwhelming. It is. Right? Yeah. But patients, you know, you're the master of that. You can do that, right? You get to choose what you put in your mouth. You get to choose your your what you give to your kids. Mm-hmm. You get to choose when you eat, you know, the evidence for fasting, for example. I mean, appropriate fasting, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Within reason. Within reason and this and the other. But, you know, the, it can actually re- um, rejuvenate how well stem cells act. Yeah, sorry, rejuvenate stem cells. It can, you know, help you with your uh, insulin control, gl- glucose control, you know, insulin production. There's all these things are in your control, in your hands. And I think patients don't realize how profound those things can be yeah you know as far as the therapeutic order goes blah 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 i mean but I, we've I've, seen, I've had patients turn their life around by themselves with a bit of guidance yeah you know they do it and so i would definitely like to see more patients realize how much control they can take and how much how much change those 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 you know very little actions can actually you know do so amazing and just to finish off, obviously at HPG we're a healthcare recruitment company, oh. and we recruit across all aspects of healthcare. Um, but what are three tips that you'd like to give to someone who would like to take a similar career? I mean, your career path is very much off the beaten track and um, kind of um, career path. But have you got three tips that you could give to someone? Um, who kind of want to head in, in this direction. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we understand in context of Australia, you've got the colleges and the colleges look after you know, surgery, general practice, you know, physicians and so on and so forth. Um, if you are thinking, well, I'd like to go down functional medicine instead, there isn't a college here in Australia. Mm-hmm. There are colleges in the U S um, and so that's probably where I would start. Just going through their website, the internet, uh, the Institute for functional medicine, for example, is a really good place to start because they will do, all the modules that you would expect from a physician's um, uh, course. So it'll be, you know, cardiovascular, neurological, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then you start to know who the movers and the shakers are. And then once you do that, you start following them, listening to podcasts, and then before you know it, you're down the yellow brick road. Beautiful. Um, so it is figuring out who those players are, following them, listening to what they have to say, being critical, of course, but, most people these days are, w- they would be silly if they weren't talking yeah. about things without references. Yeah, for sure. Right? For sure. Um, you know, and as you start getting into this, you realize there's the number of people in universities and institutes working on longevity, fasting, mm-hmm. you know, autophagy, mitophagy, um, stem cells, DNA SNPs, like all these wonderful, amazing things, all that knowledge. And then it's, Apparently, it's only just that yeah. for your guidelines for clinic. Come on. Yeah, there's more out there. Right. Yeah. So check out IFM and other colleges. Similarly, in Australia, we have the uh, Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. Um, 
they recently had a series of healthy debates where they got some amazing people, both sides of a debate. So, for example, um, they did one on cholesterol, and I assume statins as well, but anyway, cholesterol. They had uh, Asim Malhatra, which is a cardiologist from the UK. They had mm-hmm. Ross Walker, cardiologist from Sydney. Um, other healthy debates, they've had Pran Yoganathan. He's a, uh, a gastro from Sydney as well. Like These guys are con- conventional by, by all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. but so open-minded. Asking the why. I think that's the key. Oh, you know, looking under every stone. It's just, it's so cool to see not what someone knows, but how they're putting it together, how they're researching, how they're, their curiosity. Yeah. And I think that that's, that is medicine. Medicine is is the willingness to constantly wanting to learn and to figure out why things work and to figure out how we can do things better. Yeah. Because if we were to still be doing the same things that we, they were doing 200 years ago, that would not be yeah. It would not be great. So obviously no. there's always been an evolution of medicine. The more we research, the more we learn, and the more we, we end up changing the way we treat patients on a regular. So That's right. Again, it always comes down to the curiosity. Yeah. And then the last thing I would be saying to practitioners, if this is something that they were interested in doing, you know, if, if the first port of call for any disease process um, is a pill mm. just know that there's lots of other things so just google start to google start to and then it and go through pubmed just pubmed mm. and you'll start to see it all you know there's a lot of information out there mm. yeah thank you very much you're welcome where can um people reach you if they wanted to get in contact social media website yeah so our website uh Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, True. even though I'm not very active on Twitter, <laughs> is um, DR, so Dr. Olivia Leza, D R O L I V I A L E S S L A R. Perfect. Well, thank you very much um, for being here. And everyone listening, thank you very much for listening with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you.